Are you ready for the word? Me too? All right. Get your word, your Bible open this morning, and let's jump right into our second part of this series. Just the title of this series makes me happy. I love the thought of a limitless God. God is limitless. Amen. You don't have to be a, a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a theologian. Uh, you can be um, just a brand new believer and you'll begin to understand God is limitless. His love is limitless. His creation is limitless. Uh, his grace is limitless. Eternity is limitless. Everything about God is limitless. And I'm so thankful that I can say his forgiveness is limitless. Amen. So it's just a beautiful thought when you think about that word limitless. And, you you know, if you're like me, a couple of years ago, two years ago, actually, we were up north at the, die, uh, the, die, the, the Dark Sky Park near Mackinac. And it's a place up there where you go on Lake Michigan. And there's no lights for miles. And what happens is at night when the, when the we're, we were there during kind of a half moon, so there's some light from the moon. But if you've been there when there's no moon, you can see uh, not only just uh, the, the stars that we see around here at night, but you can see uh, galaxies. You can see the Milky Way galaxy. You can see so much more than you might see in city. You begin to understand the limitless creation of God. And when you realize, do you know that you realize when you look into our galaxy, you're just seeing a micro percentage of the, of the size of God's creation. It's, it's limitless. Uh, scientists are finding that there's basically no limit to space. God is limitless, but God is so amazing. He created this amazing universe that seems limitless, but yet he loved us so much he sent his son to this earth for every single person. Jesus visited even the, the ones that the Pharisees thought were the worst of the worst because his love is also limitless. And so that's the kind of God we serve. That's, that's who we're praising today. Amen? That's who we're worshiping. We're worshiping a limitless God. Limitless. Think about, keep that word in your mind as we begin with our, our, our base scripture, which is John chapter 1, verse 17. And that's where we really spent some time last week. And I'm just going to spend the first few moments uh, reviewing a little bit of what we talked about last week. John chapter 1, verse 17. And the thought that we had last week, before I read this first, the thought that we had last week, if you weren't here, but if you were here, I want to remind you, when you have right believing, when you have right believing, what happens? There will be right living. Say that with me. Right believing equals right living. Right believing right living. Remember that. That's something you, you could, uh, I put it on paper somehow. Remember that. I, that's one of those statements you should remember the rest of your life. Right believing equals right living. If we have a understanding of the scriptures, if we have a right believing of who God is and how much he loves us, how much God cares for us, how limitless God's resources are, when you have the right believing, then you'll have right living. So John chapter 1, verse 17 says this. For the law, which was the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, his son. Amen. Jesus came and changed the whole dynamic. He changed it all. But first we had the law. 
the law was given by Moses, and then Jesus came and brought grace and truth. And I believe the church today that there's been a separation of grace and truth. There's been a separation. But when you encounter Jesus Christ, how many have encountered Jesus this week or even today? In some way. I think all of us probably should be able to say, I've encountered Jesus. If you just open your eyes in the morning and you look at the, the, the rain that he provides, the, the beauty that he provides, or, or just being in his presence or being in his word, you've encountered Jesus. And when you encounter Jesus, what happens? You have an encounter with grace and truth. How many know grace changes everything? Amen? And truth sets the parameters in our life. So, uh, when Jesus would look at his people, what do you think he meant? When he looked at the people and he would say things, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, right? You shall know the truth. Jesus is grace and he's also truth. So Jesus brought the truth and the truth set them free through Jesus Christ. You understand? So a whole different dynamic. I mean, for generations, for 4,000 years, they have been living underneath a certain system of bringing sacrifices and bringing what they could bring, either it was sheep or doves or some type of, of, of animal. But do you realize that most people couldn't afford to sacrifice an animal? So some people would bring wheat, barley, corn. They would bring a grain. They would bring anything they could bring to sacrifice to give to God. But they would bring something. Amen. So when we praise God, how many of we are bringing God our very best? We're trying to bring God something. Amen. Praise. We're bringing him praise. That's the parameters. So it wasn't about the law. It was about grace. Now look at Romans 6.14. It says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but you are under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. We need to proclaim that right now, amen. Sin, you will not have dominion over me. When you read the verses, it's okay to talk to yourself. Anybody in this room ever talk to yourself out loud? Because sometimes all we do is listen to ourselves. And do you realize when you listen to yourself, sometimes you begin to believe things that aren't true? But you have a tendency when you speak things out, you tend to speak things in favor of yourself. So sometimes I, I, you might have noticed if you ever come in here and I'm doing something in the church, I could be in my office, I could be running a vacuum, I could be on a lawnmower, but there will be times you might hear me talking to myself and I'm not going crazy, maybe a little bit, but I try not to. But sometimes I just have to say things, God, you've created me, God, thank you for blessing me, God, thank you for my family, and I begin to speak things out in truth of who God is. And I will say things like, sin you do not have power over me. I, 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 you've created me to be an overcomer, and you've created me to be a leader, not a follower. So we have to say these things. We have to know these things. So we have this, this mixture of grace and truth. Jesus said this. He said, you cannot put new wine into old wine skins, right? Because what happens? If you put a new wine, new wine into an old wine skin, they, the wine will ferment and then it will destroy the old wine skin. So now you've lost both things. So now, not only did you try to put something new into something old, but you've lost both things. So he, he's setting the parameters uh, about the first miracle, about things that happen in the first, right? We have to understand what grace and truth is. Old wine skin is the law, right? Uh, some of you might have grown up in an era, and I know I have... Uh, 
generations ago, family members that grew up in an era where pretty much if it was fun, it was bad. Amen? Come on. If it's fun, it's bad. Uh, it's, it was a time when people lived under the law so heavily, uh, pretty much everything was wrong. Right? Anything. I mean, if you even, even thought about eating hamburger in the foyer of the church, you might be sinning. Come on, somebody. Uh, if the pastor was not wearing a three-piece suit uh, and an Armani suit with the best cologne, he might not be holy. Amen? How many of you I could wear Bermuda shorts and, and sandals and a T-shirt up here and still give the same word? Could you handle that? Right? Because we, we've, we've put ourselves under law for so long, but Jesus said, I've come to bring grace and truth. And when we try to present the law to the world, the world sometimes rejects it. But when you present Jesus to the world and grace and truth, they run to it. And I said this last week. Some people are afraid to talk about grace because they think if you talk about grace too much, you're giving people a license to sin. But no, no, no. It couldn't be further from the truth. The more grace that you, you are under, the more that you fall in love with Jesus, the more right believing. Remember that? The more you have the right believing, the more you're going to start living right. And the more grace that you experience, true grace, the more that you don't want to sin, right? You begin to have that conscience. How many know we all have a conscience? And your conscience tells you when something's not right. And you can't escape your conscience. You can't run from your conscience. You know that certain things are not right. But there's grace and truth in Jesus Christ. Remember, the first miracle, I talked about this last week, the first miracle... Moses, the law. The first miracle that was performed to Pharaoh when he, when he said, let my people go, the first thing that happened was Moses turned the water into blood, right? And blood represents death. And so the first thing was under law, we're going to turn the water into blood. And Jesus came, and the first miracle of grace was Jesus turned the water into wine. Now, you remember that miracle, what happened there, there was a father who was unable to provide enough for the, for the wedding party. And Jesus showed up, and he, he demonstrated grace, right? He provided. Let me, let me help you understand. When I was a little boy, like all of you, and some of you were not little boys, you were little girls, but we all got in trouble. Anybody ever get in trouble before? You ever get sent to your room? When we, my generation, when I got sent to my room, there was no phone. There was no computer. I mean, it was Legos and, and Lincoln Logs and Stretch Armstrong, right? So uh, kind of boring. Uh, but hypothetically, I, I, let's just pretend I punched my brother. That never happened. Well, of course not. It might have a few times. He's not here to, to defend that. But hypothetically, I, I punched my brother in the face. Okay. And, and, and hypothetically, he doesn't punch me back. <laughs> and he goes and tells my dad, Pete punched me. And I didn't do anything. He hit me. Well, let's just say this. My dad says, Pete, this probably did happen, you are grounded for one week in your room with your stretch arms wrong. You can't do anything. You can't see your friends. You can't go outside and play basketball. You can't go outside and play tag or seven up or any of the games we used to play. And so I'm grounded now for one week. How many know God is a righteous judge? 
See, some people get confused between God being a righteous judge, a God of mercy, and a God of grace. How could, how could a God who loves us so much be all these three things? So my father says you are grounded for one week. That's God being a righteous judge. But now, after four days of being grounded, all of a sudden, my dad comes to my room one day and he says, son, I've decided to end your grounding. You're not grounded anymore. And I would say, well, dad, you said one week, but it's only been four. He says, yes, I'm showing you mercy. See, that's mercy, isn't it? So he was a righteous judge, but now he lessens my sentence, so now he's showing me mercy. And then later that night, he comes up to me and says, you know what, son? I was thinking about it. I'd like to take you to a Tigers game, and let's go get some ice cream. And I would say, well, Dad, I don't understand. I hit Dean, and then I was grounded, and you let me off the hook a little bit early. Why are you doing this? And he says, because I'm showing you grace. Do you understand? So there was, there was, there was I had to pay a punishment for my, what I did wrong, right? But my father showed me mercy and then showed me grace. And I'm so thankful that we serve a heavenly father that shows us mercy. Because we have a sin debt that should send us to hell. Right? But he shows us mercy and he says, I'm going to send someone, my son, who's going to pay the sin debt for you. And you're not going to have to go to that place because you've been saved under the blood of Jesus. And not only am I going to show you mercy, I'm going to bless you abundantly even though you don't deserve it. I'm going to give you grace. I'm so thankful for God's grace and mercy in my life. And also I'm thankful for the truth that gives us parameters to live right. Amen? It's called the Bible. And so we have to live by the word. But in that, we have freedom. Amen? Hallelujah. And I never hit my brother on Sunday, only on Monday through Saturday. Sunday's the Sabbath. We don't do that on the Sabbath. So under the law, if you remember Genesis 34, God said this. He said, I will by no means clear the guilty... No means why I clear your sin, basically. Matter of fact, I will hold those responsible to the third and fourth generations. Basically, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will have to pay a price for the sins of the parents. Parents, wouldn't that be a bad, wouldn't that be hard to hear right now? Because of what you did wrong, there's going to have to be generations that have to pay a price for it. And so this is what happened. God said this, but under, that's under the law. But under grace, if you remember in Hebrews chapter 8, under grace, God said this, I will by no means, no way, no how, it's not going to happen. I will by no means remember your sin. For your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. Aren't you thankful for grace? What changed this? What, What changed it all? It was the cross, wasn't it? The cross changed everything. And we went from the law to grace. And we have to treat the world with that same grace, amen? It's important that we show people grace because God's shown us grace. Sometimes it's easy to want to show the law. You know, know, we we tend to want to point our fingers at people who are are not maybe living the way we think they should be living. When, When God says we need to love people and show them grace, point them to the cross because it's the cross, amen? All right, I hope you're getting this. So there's this idea. There's this, uh, I call it a, a religious mindset. That if you keep people wondering about their salvation, 
right? If you keep people in a place where they are not fully assured of the forgiveness of their sins, uh, that, that there's this mindset that they believe they're actually helping people be more holy if they say, you know you can lose your salvation at any moment if you do one bad thing. I knew a family when I was a kid that every single Sunday, almost every Sunday, them kids, the moms, like, go to the altar and give your heart to Jesus Christ. My dad knows exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> and every Sunday, they would send those kids to the altar to get resaved. And I don't know, they probably got saved a thousand times. I mean, that's the law. That's saying that if you do one thing, like if the rapture comes right now and you stub your toe and say a bad word and the rapture came, the law says, the old mindset, that you would miss the rapture. How I many know that's, that's, that's a mindset that they would try to tell people they thought it would help people be holy by kind of keeping them under the law. But how I many know that's not what Jesus said? Jesus came said under grace. And I have scripture to back this up. Amen. Aren't you glad I have that? <laughs> Because God wants us to draw near to him. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 11 through 25 to back this up with scripture. Because nothing could be further from the truth. God does not want us to live under the law, but under grace and truth. And, and you got to remember, you got to remember what I said. Right believing equals right living. Okay? People will want to live right. My conscience, my, 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 my man, uh, the nature of the, of the man in us, right? We all are under that sin nature in that man. That, that all that consciousness in my life, the closer I get to Jesus, the more I draw near to God, the more that I w will want to run to sin. We will want to flee from sin. Okay? So that's the mindset. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 11, as I said. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. So they're doing the same sacrifices, the law, which can never take away sin. But this man, who we know is who? Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice on the cross for sins forever, amen, he sat down at the right hand of the Father of God. And verse 13, from that time, waiting till his enemies are made up, uh, at his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, verse 16, this is the covenant, which is a promise, that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put laws into their hearts and into their minds. I will write them. So we know the word grace and truth. It's the truth. And then he adds... Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hallelujah. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Right? It's been done once and for all. Amen? I mean, our sins are forgiven once and for all. Sometimes we don't, people have this, the, the, this, this feeling of like, well, my sins are still lingering and somehow God still holds that against me. But God says it's no more. We need to have that assurance. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us, say it with me, let us, verse 22, what? Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an 
evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking, here we are, the assembling of ourselves together right now at this moment, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Church, I got news for you. I see the day approaching. We are not no longer living in a Christian culture, and and, and I've been reading a lot of books on this, Christian books. We are in a post-Christian culture. How many believe that? Secularism has invaded not only our country, but has invaded the church. There's a lot of people who feel they can't really get into the presence of God. They can't draw near to God because they are bathed all week in, in things of this world. And so it's hard every week when you, when, you, when you bathe yourself in everything else but God and then you try to come into his presence and just immediately just, you know, try to restart every week. That's not the way God works. He wants us to be in his presence all week under grace, amen, and, and that right believing equals right living. We have to be in the word. Let's read verse 22 again. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. In other words, not coming to him wondering if our sins are still forgiven. Okay? Uh, not coming to him, not sure whether we are saved today and tomorrow we'll lose our salvation. It's that full assurance. Say that with me. Full assurance. God wants us to have full assurance. You know, I've met people before and you ask them, are you saved? They'll say, I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I kind of think I might be, but I'm not sure. And you say, well, what if Jesus came right now? Do you know for a fact? You you never ask that question. How many know for for sure that you are saved, right? And it's, it's kind of a scary place to know that someone would actually wonder if they're actually saved. Because the Bible says that we should have full assurance. And how do we have full assurance? If you've asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins, you got to understand that his grace is enough. Amen? And we got to live under that grace and truth. Jesus said live under grace and truth and not the law. So when you live under grace and truth, the more that you understand it, the more that you want to live right. Amen? You see how it makes sense? But when you're under the law and you don't have full assurance, it's really easy to kind of slip back into some old lifestyle habits. We have to understand that we're under law under law and truth, I mean grace and truth. Rather, God wants us to come into his full assurance. Let us draw near, he said, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. These scriptures are written that we might know that we have eternal life. The limitless, of, the limitless love of God. The limitless place God has created for us. Eternity. Heaven. Amen. It's there for us. It's waiting for us. And it's ours. And God's created it for us. It says that you may know that you have eternal life. You know, faith is not, so faith does not deal in the area of assumptions or speculations. That's not faith. I assume or I speculate. Faith deals in the full assurance of the heart or of faith, right? That's how it works. It's full assurance. And the Bible says that there is a true heart. Let's go, let's go back to the beginning of Hebrews chapter 10, the beginning of the chapter, verse 1. For the law, we've been talking about the law and grace. 
For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. Okay? So, in other words, the law is like a photograph. All right? It's like a, uh, like a picture. Um, when I travel, before, especially before I had a phone, but I still use my phone, but before I would tr- had a phone back in the day, uh, I would take a picture of my wife. And maybe you remember when wallets used to have like the whole, some of you might still have that kind of wallet, right? It has a whole thing you can put pictures in there. And so I would take a picture of my wife. And so when I was out of town, it was nice to have her picture with me. Even though it wasn't actually her, it was nice to have a picture of her with me. All right? I knew what she looked like, but I still like to have a picture of her. And I still do. But now I do it on my phone, which is cool. But imagine I come home from my trip. And the real thing is right in front of me. Heather is there, right in front of me. The person, right, it's there. And instead of kissing my wife, I kiss the photo. <laughs> now, how many know something would be wrong with that picture? Amen? That would be bad. Something would be wrong, and she would be puzzled. She's like, you have the real thing right here, but yet you're still kissing the photo. The photo is a photo or a shadow of the real thing. So some people are embracing the law when the real thing, Jesus Christ, is right in front of them. And he's saying, come to me. I'm right here. But sometimes people are still so fixated on the law, they can't leave the picture or the thing that caused the shadow. It was a good thing. Right? I mean, the law was a good thing. We're not saying it was bad. But Jesus came and said, I brought myself to be the perfect sacrifice. Amen? And that's what we have. But for many generations, maybe for a lot of people, it's hard to let go of the law. It's hard to let go. It's hard to let yourself go and say, I'm thankful I'm living under grace. Amen? Because the law is only going to make you feel like you have to perform. And you're going to constantly keep score of your rights and wrongs. And you're going to evaluate your day. Well, today was good. I only committed four sins, so good day. Tomorrow I'm going to do three. Then you're living on this treadmill of performance that you can never, ever, ever get off. But when you live under grace, hallelujah, thank God you don't keep score anymore. Amen? Because you're under the blood. And the more I'm under grace, the more I want to live right. Amen? So we don't have to think like, well, if you tell people grace, they're going to want to, it's going to give them a license to sin. If that's the case, then maybe I have to ask that person if they've ever really come under the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because if you, lose, if you use God's grace for a get-out-of-jail-free card, then you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, have I really committed my life to Jesus Christ, or am I just going through the motions, or maybe you just believe in God, but God says, do you follow me? Amen? I need to finish this verse. (laughs) These are all pictures. Verse 1, again, the law, right? Having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices. What were those sacrifices? We had like the burnt offering. We had the meal offering. We had the peace offering. All these offerings, which they offer continually year by year which is Yom Kippur, right? We know this is Yom Kippur, which is also called the Day of Atonement. Make those who approach perfect. So on Yom Kippur, they would bring their sacrifices to make things perfect. But if you read the previous chapter, perfect, it's not talking about our behavior. It's talking about perfect in our consciousness. 
<laughs> okay? I have scripture to back that up. Amen. God wants us perfected in our consciousness in the area of our sin nature. He wants us to have full assurance that the blood of Jesus is enough to cover our sin. Amen? That we can come into the presence of God, no matter what our background is, no matter what we've done, we can come into God's grace and he can wash away and will wash away once and for all our sin. Amen? But that's called under grace and truth. The law would try to keep our sin in front of us the rest of our life. Well, you can never teach a class because at one time you did this or that. Or you can never sing on the worship team because you used to do this. See, that's under the law. But under grace, God says, I can make all things new. Verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified. Okay? What, the word once here in Greek is hapax. Hapax, which, which also means once and for all. We can be once and for all purified. Would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of the bulls and the goats could take away the sin. What, what an amazing thought. It's obvious, right? That couldn't take away the sin. So in the Old Testament, they were reminded once a year. They were reminded of all their sin. All their sin. But Jesus came, hallelujah, and perfected our situation. And Jesus came that he would take our sin once and for all. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So what we do as believers, when we sin, we have to, now we, we can't, doesn't mean, okay, I sin. When I sin, we still have to say, Father, forgive me. I've gotten off track. I ask you for forgiving my sin. But that doesn't mean I lost my salvation. Is that true? Okay, so some people, I don't want to get into a big theological uh, thing here today, but uh, you can love God and still commit a sin. How many believe that? Amen? But under the law, you'd be like fearful that I've committed a sin. Now God is done with me. God doesn't love me. But how many know God is limitless in his love, in his grace, in his provision? You believe that? Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Let's suppose, nobody in this room ever probably had this happen, but let's just suppose you have a debt. You owe somebody some money. It could be a creditor. It could be a car. Okay, we all have probably that then. You have some type of debt. And the time is up. The due date has come and gone. You owe this money. And now you have to face your creditor, right? That's not a very fun thing. Uh, and you have to pay up, basically. You have to pay your, your debt. And, and for a lot of people, they will do anything to avoid the creditor because they're in trouble, right? So they're afraid of the creditor because they owe a debt. And I believe this is happening in the world today and in the church today. When it comes to God, people will try to avoid God. Amen? Uh, they don't like to talk about God because they have a sin debt on their conscience. They have a sin debt. They know it. And, and they, they, they feel that way because they have sinned and they have this conscience. So many people will try to um, not acknowledge the reality of God. We know this. People will try to say God doesn't exist. And they, they convince themselves that God doesn't exist. Uh, because if they believe that God exists and they acknowledge that, they will have to pay up. Right? 
Because so they try to convince themselves that they, God doesn't exist, so they don't have to pay a price. But what happens is it's called they are suffering from a sin debt in their consciousness. And they're afraid to get close to God. And that's why a lot of people are afraid to get close to God. Because they're afraid if I get close to God, he's going to ask me to pay up. And so, therefore, a lot of people don't get close to God. If I get too close to Jesus, if I go to the Bible studies, if I get in the Word, he's going to want to change all my things that my conscience knows is wrong. I mean, our conscience does not lie. Amen? Your conscience cannot lie, and it will not lie. It will tell you when things are right and wrong. So under the law, what happens is people say, well, under the law, I understand that my debt is so great, it's going to cost me something, so I'm going to have to hide from God. I can't get close to God. I might kind of hang around God and get once in a while close, but basically I'm just going to real quick kind of throw my, my, ask him for forgive me, and then real quick get out of his presence. But what grace does, amen? How many know grace? God says, I want to draw near to you. And he says, because your debt has been paid, amen? Your debt was paid by Jesus Christ once and for all. So we now have the ability to go into the holy of holies, amen? And we can be in God's presence. We sang songs today about that. I know actually Heather even talked about being in God's presence. Church, we are invited to be in God's presence. No matter what your conscience is telling you, no matter what your sin debt is, God says, give it to me. I can take it for you. My son paid the debt off for you. Amen? How would you like to go to your creditor and you finally show up and you owe $10,000 and they say, I know you owe $10,000, but guess what? We're paying your debt for you. Hallelujah. Who in this room would be excited? Come on. Right now, that Visa card that you have that you owe too much on, that car payment, that mortgage, whatever it is, you know, that new toupee that you bought that you put on a (laughs) Okay. Them nails that you got done that you put. How many know? What if all your debt right now you got a letter tomorrow on the well, tomorrow's a holiday. Tuesday in the mail. It says somebody paid your debt. Come on. I would, I would be running laps around the church parking lot. You'd see me high-stepping it. I'd be taking the whole family out to dinner, <laughs> paying cash. All right. And, and, and I would be so excited. Guess what? Our sin debt has been paid. Amen? Why aren't we more excited? Because every day we have a sin debt. It's not like, well, I sinned in 1978, and since then I've been perfect. I don't need to get excited anymore about Jesus. I'm not going to show any emotion. Ah, not me. I've sinned a lot this, this, this lifetime of mine, and every day I thank God I can come back into your presence, amen, because God is grace and truth, and he's limitless in his love. He's limitless in his forgiveness. He's limitless in his, his mercy and grace, Amen. And he offers me mercy. He offers me grace. And yes, he is a righteous judge. So we can't think, well, if I sin, there won't be a consequence. Because there are sometimes consequences, right? But guess what? We can learn through our consequences. If you go through something, learn from it. And say, I won't ever do it again. Amen. That's what he wants. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Our conscience cannot lie. We're born with this. God so loved the world that he gave us his Son. So we have to deal with things God's way because God wants us to draw near to him. If I could have the worship team join me up here. We're going to close 
I want to I put some thoughts on the screen for you, some things I really want you to understand. If you're taking notes or you're just writing this down, take a picture, I don't care. I want you to understand this about law and grace. Law is defined as demand. But grace is defined as supply. Law is demand. Grace is supply. For instance, under law, God demands righteousness from you. Under grace, God supplies righteousness to you. Amen? You see the difference? Under grace, God says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. His riches and glory, they're limitless, aren't they? Aren't you thankful we serve a God who supplies all of our needs? He's paid our debt because we have a sin debt. We are all in debt for our sin, but Jesus came. He's now sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he paid it all. Now, if that doesn't make you want to make some right uh, choices and changes in your life, I don't know what else will. Because right believing equals right living. Not the law. The law does not make people want to live right. It doesn't make me want to live right. It makes me under fear and worry. And at any minute, God is going to spite me and he's going to strike me down for what I did wrong. I mean, no, that's not the place that we can worship God in freedom. I mean, that's, that was the system that had to happen for 4,000 years because when Adam and Eve fell, right, when they fell in the garden, they fell eating the tree of what? The, of, remember it? Life, right? Of knowledge. And so for 4,000 years, a system had to be put in place. It had to be put in place. So the law was put in place for 4,000 years, but it wasn't going to hold up. God desired to be near his people. And so he paid it all with his son once and for all. Would you stand with me? God is a righteous judge. God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace. And God is limitless. As you go home today, as we live our, our lives day by day, we're not always together, but we are in the same journey together. I pray that, let's say tomorrow morning when you wake up, that you will wake up with a realization that today I am under God's supply and under his grace. And, and something amazing happens. When you begin to, when you start your day like that, you say, God, thank you for supplying all my needs. Thank you for supplying grace and mercy. Thank you for giving me truth. When you, when you start your day, just for a moment, it, it kind of sets the parameters for your day. You know, and say, God, today, I pray that today I would... I would give you my very best. I pray that that sin debt that I offer God, that it's already been forgiven, that it's, I would know that it's no more. And today, I want to have the right believing system so that I will have the right living system. It's not a performance. It's not a, like, well, look what I did. Look at all these great things I did for you, God, and now you're really going to supply it. No, God just says, I love you so much, I'm going to supply in spite 
of your weaknesses, in spite of your failures, because he knows how much you love him. When you come to him and you say, God, forgive me, cleanse my heart, change my mind, amen. There's not a day that goes by where I don't pray this prayer. God, guard my heart, guard my mind. God, I I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, wash me today. And Lord, I pray today would be a great day. That's that's like eating cereal. Oh my, I eat cereal a lot, and I know some other people that eat cereal. (laughs) Or it's like brushing your teeth better brush your teeth right every day, right? Amen? I hope you do, because, you know, when I pray for you, I want to make sure we're up. Come on. You put on deodorant. You take a shower. You put on shoes. You present yourself, right? Why why do we do all these things? So we we can present ourselves. And so I pray that every single day we take a moment and we present ourselves to God. We say, God, here I am. I need you. And I want to serve you more of my life. And I want to give you my heart, my mind, my body. And listen, you do that, God says, yes, yes, yes. That's what I want. You're drawing near to me. And in that, you'll find grace and truth. And the law doesn't provide that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. I want to ask this question as we thank God for the word. I want to ask maybe somebody here, you still are carrying around like an old suitcase, this sin debt. And we are responsible for things we do. But listen, God's mercy says, listen, I'm going to take that debt from you right now, and I'm going to set you free. And Hearing it is one thing, but believing it and living it is a whole other thing. And saying, thank you, God, that you make all things new. Your mercy is new every day. Not once a year, not once in a while, but every single day. Maybe maybe your relationship with God is is maybe maybe you're trying to give him your weaknesses you're trying to surrender maybe maybe there's some things in your life that that your conscience says this is not right this is wrong this is an area of your life that needs to go and your conscience is telling you one thing but your flesh is fighting you another way and you wrestle every day with your flesh and your conscience when the whole truth is this God said, I sent my son. I sent him. He poured out all of his blood so that you can be free from those things and live a life where our life is producing fruit. God created us to be worshipers. God created us to resemble his glory. God created us to live a life where we are where we are living the fullest, most joyous life ever. And that debt has been paid. And we are here saying, God, I just want to celebrate you. When I'm in your presence all the time, which is all the time, I just want to live in that freedom and celebrate you. I want to pray a closing prayer. I want you to hear these last words. God loves you with an everlasting love, a limitless love. Jeremiah 31.3 talks about God's love is everlasting. It's not on a it's not on a scale. It's not on a, a curve like in high school. It's, it's limitless. And maybe today this is your day. You say, God, I, I needed this word. I needed to be reminded of how much you love me.
while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to pray for you this morning that we would walk out of this place having a, a, a deeper passion to know God more. Father, now in your name we come before you, most high God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yahweh, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you for the fact that you are a righteous judge, but you, you give us mercy and you provide grace. Thank you, God, that we can come to you right now with all of our junk, all of our stuff, and we can lay it at your feet. Father, I pray for the individual that is here today that still feels like they're unworthy, that they've done too much wrong, that they would begin to see themselves in the light of the Scripture. They would see the Word of God, that it would be imprinted on their heart, that you make all things new, that we can do all things through Christ, that we are more than conquerors. God, how deep is your love? How wide, how long, how big and limitless is your love? Lord, I pray that not only now that we experience grace and we experience these things for ourselves, let us in turn give it away. Let us show people grace. Let us show people love. Let our lives be full of joy and praise and worship and celebration in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.